Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. We're an LDS couple who struggled with unwanted pornography in our marriage for many years. What was once our greatest struggle and something we thought would destroy us has become our greatest blessing and triumph. Our hope is that as you listen to our podcast each week, you'll be filled with hope and healing and realize that you too can thrive beyond pornography and create the marriage you have always desired. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography. We're so glad you're here and we believe in you. Hey, my friends, welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography. I'm your host, Zach Spafford. I am so excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, Darcy is busy taking care of kids, so she decided not to join this conversation. But I think it's one that you and I can have together without her. Just don't tell her that um, that I'm doing it without her. She'll be so disappointed. No. <laughs> um, hey, just an update on Briggs. He's fine. Uh, I think... Uh, I told you guys last week that he went to the urgent care and that Darcy was taking care of him, but he is fine. Everything is good. He's as happy as can be. So thanks for all your thoughts uh, and and for thinking of us. If you were thinking about us, if you weren't thinking about us, I totally understand because sometimes I don't think about other people's problems either. So tonight I want to talk about, or today I want to talk about what is pornography addiction? The idea behind it is uh, it's an interesting idea, and I just want to kind of walk through some of my thoughts on it. I am not a clinician. I am not a psychologist. Um, I will say that there is no uh, there is no entry for pornography addiction in the DSM-5. The DSM-5 is the technical manual around uh, what is porno- uh, around uh, mental disorders and mental issues within the psychology world. So I'm going to just put that out there just as an idea, but it's not, again, you know, I think most of us, most people who have grown up in a religious community uh, have a sense or have been given an idea that pornography use at almost any level is an addiction. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, most of the men and women that I've worked with, they've seen themselves at some level as an addict. And if that's, you know, if that's not you, if you, if you don't think of yourself as an addict, then you could probably just skip this entire episode and that's totally fine. If you see yourself as an addict or, uh, if you have some insight, like I, you know, this is kind of what I've been taught and this is kind of how I believe. I think it's important to recognize that you are likely working from what you know and you're seeing yourself in a way that is, this is not a flaw. You're seeing yourself in a way that you've been taught is is the way to think about it, and that's not a flaw, that's not a problem. It's simply part of the process of growing into the person that you want to be who is living their values. So when I was a young missionary living in, in Naples, I was uh, serving there for pr- probably the, what, like the last six months of my mission, uh, my companion and I boarded a train and we were on our way home from proselyting and we were followed into the train by a young woman. And she, and I think I've probably told this on the podcast before, but she, rather than sit in the seats, chose to sit in the stairwell of 
the train. And I looked her in the eye as I took my seat, and we connected briefly, uh, you know, knowing I knew she was there. She knew I was there. We kind of just, I could see you. You could see me. No big deal. And soon after that really brief interaction, she began to shoot herself up with heroin. And she didn't really care who saw what she was doing or what they thought. She just wanted her heroin fix. And I knew it was heroin because I had seen we didn't have as much internet back in those days so i didn't see it there but i had grown up on the north side of chicago i'd seen heroin it's just kind of one of those things that happens in your life sometimes uh and and that was what was going on for her think about your experience with pornography think about maybe the last time that you had an encounter where you were viewing and someone interrupted you as you viewed it and maybe this has never happened to you so you can just think about what you would do if someone interrupted you while you were viewing pornography, what would you do? Would you, you know, meet the eye of the other person, maybe hold up that one finger like, oh, please wait, uh, and then just say, oh, uh, I'll be with you when I'm done. Give me a moment. Uh, I'm almost done here. This is my favorite part. Would you, did you say any of those things, or did you stop immediately? And if you were in that situation, would you pretend like you were not watching porn or becoming aroused or any of that. And if if the answer to those questions is what I think it is, which is you probably stopped immediately. You probably pretended you weren't doing anything. You probably didn't like hold up that one finger and say, uh, one moment, this is my favorite part. You probably were really trying to avoid having to talk about what you were just doing. What this tells me is that it's more likely that you were ashamed of your choices than you are addicted to them. It's more likely that you're capable of stopping more so than you think you are because of, I mean, this kind of tells me you have that capacity to stop looking at porn if you have the right set of motivations, let's say. And there's some good reasons to believe that you're addicted. I'll be honest with you. Like when we use addiction language, we are offering ourselves a little bit of distance between who we are and a behavior that we are engaging in. So if I'm an addict, at least in part, I'm not responsible for this behavior. Like that, there's a part of me that is not responsible for this behavior because I am an addict. Being an addict means I'm powerless. So if you think about the, the, uh, the 12-step process that, that you go through, part of that is saying and admitting, I am powerless over this addiction and believing that. And if I'm powerless, then pornography has power over me. And if pornography has power over me, then when I choose pornography, something outside of me is at least in part responsible for this choice. That is, that is my take on addiction or the addiction language around pornography. And we, uh, you know, I talk about this in my module on agency more in depth, but what I want you to see is that this, this idea that there is something outside of me or something that I'm powerless against has the capacity to make choices for me. I want you to see how that idea stacks up against what we just thought about, which is I actually can stop viewing pornography given the right motivation in the right moment. And here's the thing. Once we understand that pornography doesn't have power over, you, over us, but instead that we are choosing to view pornography as a way to maybe manage our discomfort or to get through boredom or whatever it is that we're, you're choosing 
to view pornography for, we begin to more fully step into our responsibility and agency around this issue. So you can see these two things kind of stacked up against each other. Thinking I'm an addict, believing I'm an addict, or believing that I am addicted to pornography allows me at least at some level to claim victimhood and distance myself from this behavior. Whereas if I believe that I am 100% responsible for my choices and that pornography can't just like, you know, walk into my house, chain me to a chair, start engaging in its activities and then tell me to watch, then I I don't have that distance anymore. And this is this doesn't mean by the way that we have that we may not have a compulsive habit that we have set up and that we continue to follow as a result of some continued reinforcement of that habit. That may be the case. But there's a distinction here, and it's really important, and it's really simple. If I believe language and ideas that portray me as powerless or at some level a victim of something outside of me, then I'm less empowered to actually deal with that particular issue. So ask yourself, even if I'm an addict, let's just say for the sake of argument that you are an addict, and that is an unassailable fact. Let's just take this road for just a moment. Does that change the fact that you no longer want porn in your life? Does it make it so that you somehow don't want to resolve this issue? Because if I'm an addict, then I'm powerless. And if the answer to that question is, no, I, I still want to resolve this issue regardless of whether I'm labeling myself as an addict or not as an addict. What's the value in believing you're an addict? If you want to resolve this, this problem, this habit, whatever you want to call it, and you believe you're an addict, what's the value in believing that? If everything that I've just laid out is in any way valuable, what's the value in believing I'm an addict? And I don't think there is any to be honest. And there are some really negative mental connotations to labeling things that in, in ways that aren't effective. But I want you to just think about that. On the flip side, if I believe that I have a habit, even a habit that I compulsively engage in, uh, when, whenever I feel discomfort or whatever it is that I feel, how much more empowered do I feel about dealing with the problem? And how much more likely am I to own the process in terms of resolving this particular issue for myself. So I want to give you a little bit of uh, background here because I think this is important. So in January of 2015, a guy named Josh Grubbs of Case Western University published a pretty powerful research paper showing that seeing oneself as a porn addict was predicted not by how much porn you engage in or view, but by the degree of religiosity or the degree of moral attitudes you have toward sex. So he found a direct correlation with the idea that the more I think porn is morally bad or against the value structure that I want to live, the more likely I am to view myself or perceive myself as an addict regardless of how much porn I watch. So if I watch one minute of porn a year or one minute of porn a day, it doesn't matter how much porn I'm watching I'm more likely to call myself a porn addict regardless. And then there's a follow-up study to that, which I think is really interesting, which is uh, 
a demonstration that believing you're an addict or that you're addicted to porn actually causes pain and other psychological problems. Now, I want you to think about that and contrast that idea. If I believe I'm an addict and that causes me pain and psychological problems, by the way, I think there's a good reason why we, why we think that that's valuable, right? Sometimes I think we think, if I can just beat myself up hard enough, then I won't want to do this anymore. That's not really the case. It doesn't work that way. But that's what I think we believe at some level sometimes, or some people believe at some level. Now, contrast that idea, the idea that viewing, or sorry, that believing myself as an addict actually causes pain and psychological problems with the idea that when you show up at a 12-step meeting, you have to identify yourself as, a, as an addict in order to get on the road to recovery. And, and we know that people who feel bad, by the way, make worse decisions than those people who feel good. In fact, I was telling this to somebody the other day. So I, I had gone in for a variety of treatments on my back. And one of the things that I always tried to do when I was going into these treat in, into these, basically they were injecting an epidural steroid into my back. And it's an extremely delicate procedure where they're like trying to get in between two membranes. I'm going to call them membranes within the spinal column. So it's a really, really delicate procedure. I always joked around with the people, no matter how, mo- how nervous I was, because I wanted the people in that room to feel good about what they were doing because I wanted them to make good decisions, right? So we know that when people feel bad, they make worse decisions than when they feel good. When they feel good, they make better decisions. And within my coaching platform, you know, we start by resetting mental attitudes around porn, not necessarily because I want you to think about porn as something amazing, because I don't, but because thinking about it in a sex-positive way without setting aside your values while still retaining your values allows you to learn new effective ways to think about pornography. You'll learn, you know, what, what's actually going on for you. And that allows you to deal with it more directly from a position of feeling good, right? Cause when I feel good, I make better decisions. Not, not that I am okay with porn, but that I can understand what's actually happening directly rather than thinking of myself as something that I may not be and or that isn't a valuable way of thinking about the the particular issue. And then we also learn to reframe that issue in a shame-free way so that you can address that that issue directly and treat the cause, not just the symptom. And really, this is why we do this work. This is why Darcy and I do this work. But I want you to just think about this idea and ask yourself, has it been valuable to think of myself as a porn addict or think of my pornography habits as an addiction. And if it has been helpful to you, I'm not saying that that's impossible. If it has been helpful to you, keep going with it. If it hasn't been helpful to you, and I would argue that that's probably the vast majority of the people who are listening to this podcast and who are listening to any podcast on this particular subject, if it hasn't been helpful to you, maybe, just maybe, it might be time to, to experiment with different ways of thinking about this that more closely align with your values and help you actually achieve the results that you're looking for. All right, my friends, I would love to see you. Come set up a consult. Go to zackspafford.com slash work with Zach. I would love to have a conversation with you. It's free. It's awesome. You and I can start to dig to the bottom of this problem. And... 
why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, I love talking about porn. I want you to love talking about porn because it can be your greatest triumph. It can be something that you succeed at leaving behind and never going back to because you've got the right tools and you can execute on those tools. All right, my friends, I would love to talk to you. Please keep coming back. Please share this with your friends. Set up your free consult. I would love to meet with you, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.